Hey, sweets. Thank you so much for tuning in to a very important episode of Cookies and Conversation podcast. October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Late 2018, I started to become more open about the hardships I've experienced, and they are definitely hardships I wouldn't wish on anyone. In 2019, a close friend of mine said to me that you gain your power back the more you share your story. And those words have found a permanent residence in my mind. I'm putting this message here for those that are working through their triggers and may not be in a space to listen to a conversation about the following. I utilize the power of my platform and voice to spread awareness. And although I can't save everyone from what they're going through, it's important for those that are suffering in silence to know and see that there is a way out and that you will always come out on top. This is the most powerful season I've been in and the growth is never ending. The healing journey isn't linear, but it's always consistent. For those that are struggling to find their power right now, I'm here for you. You are stronger than you know, even on your hardest days. And if you know someone that is going through any form of abuse or domestic violence, please be supportive and as safe of a place as possible if you are available and able. Give them a safe space to land. Because one thing about any victim or survivor, we know who's a part of our soul tribe when shit hits the fan. Over the last four years of my life, I've experienced a fair share of manipulation and abuse. I was definitely selective about which stories of mine to share because unfortunately there are one too many to count and one too many to unpack. But every day I wake up grateful for healing, for growth, and the power of my vulnerability. Every day is not easy, but the work is always happening. The work is always being done. There are days where I experience triggers that hit me really hard and there are days when my anxiety can get the best of me there are days when my ptsd is too much to bear but we're here i'm here you're here and i thank you if you've gotten this far thank you again I ask that you listen and receive today's episode with an open heart and without vocal or silent judgment. I'm grateful to be able to share the beauty of my safe space and my strengths with you all today. And with that being said, let's get it. What's poppin' sweets? It's your favorite baker and host, Alicia Reedy, and I'm back with a brand new episode of Cookies and Conversation. And today, we are talking about Domestic Violence Awareness Month. This is something that is very important to me, being a survivor and an advocate for those that do not know how to speak up for themselves yet or just haven't found their way to share their truth. This is what I do. This is a a way that I utilize my platform and I also have my girl Fallon with me to talk about <laughs> this. How are we feeling? We back. <laughs> we yes, back. ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes. So tell us about you for those that are unfamiliar. Um, so of course I'm Fallon or Fally, you know, if we're friends, you can call me Fally. If not, eh. um, I 
living in the DMV. Well, right now I live in Gainesville. They know we don't count that. But I'm from PG County, <laughs> born and raised. A beautiful thing. 28, Aquarius. I like long walks to the beach. You know, all that good stuff. But um, <laughs> I'm also an event planner and I teach preschool full time. Just a lot. Like, I literally do it all. I call myself Barbie because anything that I say I'm going to do, I can do. I might not finish it because Aquarius. But I'm going to start it. I'm, I'm going to start it, and I'm going to at least try it. Exactly. So I literally, I literally do it all. I love it. <laughs> and, and you do. And you do. do. Yes, ma'am. I'm really glad to have you here just to talk about this really important discussion. One thing that's really unfortunate to me, one thing that I've been learning or noticing since the pandemic really started, is that domestic violence cases are increasing, and it's sad. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that this time now more than ever is it's really important to talk about it. You know, some people are still, you know, seriously quarantining and they're still in their houses because they don't trust nobody and I don't blame them. But yeah. at the same time, they really may not be in the best home. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You never know what they're going through. And it could be males. I mean, it could be men or women. And it's just a sad case because I don't think anybody deserves to go through anything like this. But. I know that you and I have like briefly talked about, you know, domestic violence and stuff. So I wanted to ask you about your story. Um, so my story is, it starts from a very long time ago. So my, not to put her business out there, my older sister actually is a survivor as well. She is actually writing a book right now. When it drops, I'll send you the link. She, you know, published it back the other day. Like she's doing her thing. Shout out to my sister. Um, so I've witnessed it as well as experiencing it. So when I was younger, I didn't understand what was happening to her because I was like, you know, 13, 14 years old. And this is the man that she was, you know, having her kids with and, you know, she was living her best life with him. So I didn't think anything of it. I'm like, if this is what's happening, why are you here? You know, that doesn't, mm. it just, it didn't make sense to me. Right. As I got older, you know, I found myself, I don't, I don't know the word for this, but being act actively pursuing older men. Okay, now when I say older, I don't mean 20, 30 years old. I mean, I'm 14, 15 years old, and he's 18, 19, 20. Now, in high school, you know, you're like, ah, oh, it's not that bad. I'm in 19s and 12. No, it's bad. That is grooming. That is not okay. Exactly. Um, but me back then, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is it. This is, this, this is what I want. Like, he can drive. He has money. He, he didn't have any money, okay? <laughs> I just knew my little, my little ninth grade stuff. I'm like, yeah, he got money. No, he doesn't. Um... <laughs> <laughs> he just had all of these things that I wanted because I didn't have that. Because I come from a two-parent household, okay? My parents got divorced when I was 23 years old, okay? So I never, I didn't have daddy issues. I didn't have mommy issues. Well, huh. I didn't have, I didn't have <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> well, you know, they weren't mommy issues. It was typical, you know, daughter, mother Yeah. Like, she was my mom. I was like, girl, you're not about to tell me what to do. She's like, girl, I've been there, done that. You're not doing this. Right. And to me, it was like, you're holding me back. But in reality, she's protecting me. Exactly. So, you know, she finds out I'm messing with his senior on his way out of high school. And I'm literally into high school. And she's like, no, dog, that's not okay. And I'm like, yeah, no, I love him. Girl, I don't know him. And it was just that, like, that was just, that was the beginning. And from there, it just kept evolving. Like, I, my next relationship was with another older guy. I was in 10th grade. He was out of high school. Okay? Mm. Like, he was 21. That's oh, that's a big okay. gap. Yeah. I'm, six, I'm 16. And right. 
it just it just spiraled out of control from there. He actually ended up, you know, getting me pregnant. It was a whole thing, a, a whole a whole shebang bang, and it just progressed. I ran away to move out with him when I was eighteen. I said when I turned eighteen, I told I told his mom first of all, I told his mom that when I turn eighteen, I'm going to move in with you guys. What? <laughs> you were not Why? playing. You were like, I'm out. Bye. I said I'm gonna come. And she was like, you need to ask your parents. I said, no, they don't care. I'm 18. I'm leaving. And I left. And I moved into this boy's base, boy's mom's basement. This man, actually. This man's mom's basement with him. Dumb. That was dumb, okay? But we were dating for a very long time. We broke up because I was like, eh, not feeling this anymore. This is just getting kind of lame. Like, we've been through some things. It's just it's not it. My next relationship, it got really bad. Everything was fine at first. We were around the same age. He was actually a year younger than me. We were around the same age, you know. And now that I'm saying it out loud, I did to him what they did to me. He was younger than me. Mm. And I was like, I don't want to be the one that's younger anymore. I want to be in control. So I'm going to find me a younger man. And I'm going to be the one calling the shots because I have the car. I have the money. I have the stability. And it kicked me in the ass because that's not what happened at all. I, um... I was dating him. Everything was fine. There was no red flags. Like, everything was cool. We were friends. We were best friends. Everything was fine. Maybe a year and a half into it, he started to get, I don't want to say controlling, but that's the only word I can think of right now. And it was kind of like, who are all these guy friends that you have? Why are you always mm. going out with them? What is this? What is, like, it was a lot of interrogation. That's when it starts. Just, yeah. Yeah. On just little things. And to me, it's like, okay, that's my man. Like, he just wants to know that I'm good. In reality, no. He just wanted to know who they were. And the moment that I should have stopped was when he used one of the pictures that I sent him, you know, you send a news to your man, whatever, as his header on Twitter. Mm. And I was like, huh? To me, it was flattering at 18 years old. I'm like, yeah, I, yeah I'm that girl. And I was very insecure. You know, last episode, I got my body. I was very, like, not feeling it. And for him to use that, to me, it was like, okay, he's showing me off. In reality, no, we can't. <laughs> That's horrible. Right. But I was like, eh, okay. And then one day he had gotten into some beef with somebody on Twitter. You know, when you get in Twitter beef, nobody's off limits. They don't give it, they don't give a shit. They're coming for both. So he had gotten into it with somebody and they had said something to me. He didn't defend me. I talked about that last time. I should have stopped then. I didn't. And it just got very bad. We had broke up. And when we broke up, I was like, you know, that's fine. Like, you know, do your thing. It's just, it's becoming too much. I understand whatever. You want to go do this in a whole other state. And I want to stay here. And we just weren't on the same page. Fine. People grow apart. My dumbass was like, yeah, I'm about to get an apartment. Do you want to move in with me? Mm. So we got an apartment together. We lived together. We were not in a relationship. So as you know, that went horribly wrong. He started dating. I was not. I was hung up on us still we lived together you know right and we were still intimate so it was like yeah this isn't we're doing this and you're still dating other women doing the same thing that we don't that don't make right it's like it's just not healthy at that point and it wasn't but to me I was like whatever it takes to keep him here whatever it takes like that was dumb but you know I was 19 I was 19 20 years old I was like whatever it takes to keep him around is what I'm gonna do and then eventually he had gotten a relationship with this girl I didn't hate her I didn't like her but I didn't hate her but I tolerated her I was like you know what that's fine. I'm going to start doing my thing. Y'all do y'all thing. It's cool. So I started doing my thing, minding my business, trying to distance myself from what he was doing. 
and their relationship got abusive and i called myself inserting myself into that situation defending him when in reality he was the one choking her out mm. but he justified it because she hit him first and to wow. me it's like to me it's like this is my best friend don't put your hands on him in reality it should be like no you crazy ass nigga don't choke her out what the fuck right and so they had a whole situation we ended up going to her house and i ended up fighting her for him like it was a whole thing and then they started they broke up again we were cool ish you know whatever and uh, then it just got worse because i started dating or not dating but entertaining the guy that i'm dating now and he found out about that and he was not happy he decided that he was going to make that very very bad he would have his friends come over to the apartment to make sure that he wasn't there he would yeah he would borrow my car so I couldn't go see him he like he would do everything possible to keep us apart so that's when the physical started happening um he punched holes in the doors he's punched near my head and all these things he's broke so when I actually tried to move out he broke my finger trying to get Uh. my phone back yeah, and I told him he broke my finger. He said, it'll be fine. Put a brace on it. Okay. Wow. Girl, yeah. I told him, I was like, my finger is broken. Because he worked at the cellular company that I was that I had for my phone. And I bought the phone, but the plan was under him because he worked there. It was cheaper. And so, in his mind, that gave him the right to take my phone back when I wanted to move out. That's And I was like... I was like, absolutely not. This is my phone. I paid for it. You don't pay the bill. It's just under your name. He said, yes, yeah, so it belongs to me. I said, no. So I was holding it, and he basically took, tried to get the phone away from me and broke my finger. And I was like, what the hell? I got to go. He would have his female so friends. Mad. He had his female friends plan to jump me. Like, it was a whole thing. So I ended up leaving, and, you know, eviction notices came and all that stuff. And he tried to, you know, put that on me. And I'm like, no, you're the one that put all these holes in the wall. You're paying that. I'm not paying that. And fun fact for you guys, I'm a Disney head, super. I collect Disney snow globes. Well, I did once upon a time. I love those. And I, my grandmother that passed away, God bless her soul, she gave me one every year for my birthday since I was born in 93. So I'm 28 years old now. So back then I had about 17 or 18 because she passed away when I was graduating high school. So I had 18 of them. My mom since then has carried it on. Like people have been giving me snow globes since then. But when I was moving, I was packing up my stuff. And the day, you know my best friend, Ambie, mm-hmm. love you, baby. We went to go get my stuff because I said, I don't want to go there alone. You know, I, I don't want to do that. And he had basically taken the snow globes off. I had, a, I had my own bathroom and my own room. So he took the snow globes out of my room and the bathroom, put them in a garbage bag and threw them in the living room. So wow. Course, that's glass so i pick up the bag trying to figure out what's in it and i just see liquid dripping i said it's no way it's no way it's no way that just happened and when i tell you i broke down like somebody stabbed me in my back because those are things those are my grandma's passed away i can't get those back like exactly at that point you've taken something from me that i held on to because i was still to this day i still grieve her death but it's like now I can't get those back because you destroyed them. Granted, they're insured because my mom is a genius. She insured them. So I got to check for them. But that doesn't change the fact that I can't replace them. They don't make them anymore. <laughs> like, I don't, the ones that I had, they're 20 grand. So I can't, I can't get that back. That all happened, you know, destroying of the property, the physical abuse, the emotional abuse, 
then I leave. I move to where I live now. And, you know, everything was fine. For like, I've been here three years. Yeah. Everything was fine for a while. A few months pass, and I start seeing his car on this side of town. And I'm like, what the fuck? You don't live over here. There's yeah. no reason for you to be here. Because I live in Baltimore County, okay? There's no reason for you to be over here. And I'm like, why is he over here? What the hell is going on? Well, I come to find out someone is trying to figure out where I live. Wow. And I'm just like, okay. So there is a there is a restraining order. You know, there's, there's all these things. But to the extent that he went to find me again. That's really disgusting. And I've tried to, like, the, make sure we have no reason to contact. So the eviction, the stuff we had to pay after he'd been destroyed everything, I paid my half and literally, like, wrote the rest off to him. I actually ended up paying more than half because that's just, because my name was on the lease. So he and we had no reason to con. Like I got our debt separated. Like there was nothing we had to talk about. Everything that we had in common, the bank account, like all that shit, separated, gone. There's nothing we need to discuss. So why are you trying to find me? Yeah. So he's blocked on everything now. Like we have nothing. There, there's nothing. I've been good for about a year and a half. But it was just like, I don't know how I didn't see it. I, I really don't know. But I'm glad it's over. <laughs> that's and I thank God every day that shit is over because I don't know. I don't know what would happen if he would have found me. I have no idea. Yeah, I, it seems like he had no intentions clue. for him to go that far out of his way to keep yeah. up with you and literally find you. Like, yeah, I. Mm, mm, yeah, and all I that have, was making me no, so mad. I have no clue. Yeah, what would have happened? And then, like, when you try to tell people. Like, because we had a lot of mutual friends. So when you try to tell people, you know, why we don't speak anymore, they're like, oh, you know, typical, oh, he would never do that. Like, are you sure? Are you? Yeah, I'm sure, though. Like, what do exactly. you mean? Sure? Exactly. Exactly. He would never. Well, he did. So now what? Exactly. So it's, just, it's just like, uh, so I really don't like telling people that know both of us about it because it turned into this whole, are you sure type situation? Yes. Yes, I'm sure. Absolutely. You know, I was actually talking to um, Rayvon about that recently to share my story because, like, I've never really publicly shared everything that he's done to me. But, and I hate to put his name out there, but, like, it is what it is. So <laughs> I think what makes my situation, I'm not going to say unique, but sad, is the fact that when it first started to happen with me and Tyler's dad, it was like, he didn't know why he was doing it. And... Mm. It was, and I think I personally think it started off, and I he does not agree with this, but you know, obviously on the outside looking in, it's a little bit different. And I I've told him then I'm still telling to this day. It's kind of like, you know, when your father was murdered, a switch went off. It was kind of like all the trauma that you never unpacked as a child came out in a different way, and you didn't understand why because no one has ever taught you to understand why things happen the way they do or to be very frank like he comes from a family that's like typical black family sweep shit under the rug you keep it pushing you don't talk about it it's no one's business that kind of thing and I think what separates me from or me and my family or rather me and my upbringing in comparison to his it's like I don't come from a family that sweeps shit under the rug like if something isn't right we're going to address it and we're going to handle it And for a long time, like, I was never comfortable telling my family anything. 
Um, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, he and I have like two different perspectives to, to a certain degree. And he knows that anything that he put me through isn't right. I think we've been through enough to the point where it's like, it's kind of awkward because it's like, okay, you're Tyler's dad. I respect you because you're Tyler's dad. But like, it's kind of hard for me to process all the shit that you've put me through. Like, I even recently told him that um, I have PTSD because of it. And the way his whole energy shifted when I told him that and I thought I did. And he was like, nah, man. It hit a little different once I had to put into perspective. I'm like, look, these are the changes that I'm going through. This is what has happened. Like, this is my healing journey. And this is what I've learned. I don't think he was able to really or fully handle it. He's accepted it and he feels bad, but I don't think he knows how to handle that. Especially because I think I'm not the type of person to self-diagnose, but I do think that there are people in his family that experience the same thing, but they just don't want to admit it because they're like, oh, you don't talk about those kinds of things. Like, I'm just way too loud and proud to, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm way too loud and proud to keep quiet about shit Um, for a long time. But going back to my original point, like for a long time, I felt like he did not want me to say anything. Um, I felt like- I mean, of course they don't. They don't want it to be a thing. Yeah, exactly. I think to a certain degree, especially when we were dating and it was happening, that he wanted to keep me away from my family. Like, We'd get into an argument and it would get just, it would end up becoming physical. And he would say to me, that's what you're going to do. You're just going to run and tell your mom. You're going to run and tell your sister what they're going to do, what they're going to do. Like there were times Mm -hmm. where he would say to me, uh, I have like really big triggers and I want to tap into triggers later. But one of my big triggers for me is when, um, is the words deal with. Now, you know, people say that casually. I've even caught myself saying it casually. But when I hear it with a certain context, it triggers me mm-hmm. so bad. Because, like, when he would say it to me, and I'm really good at pinpointing why things are the way they are for me, but whenever he would say deal with to me, it was more like, well, ain't nobody going to deal with you but me. Ain't nobody going to love you like the way I do. Mm-hmm. You think those niggas going to want you? Like, he made me feel like damaged goods because he was damaged at that time. And it's sad. You know, it's really sad to see what people will put you through just because they have their own demons. They have their own unresolved trauma. They have all these these wounds, emotional wounds, even physical, maybe mental, all of that. And then they don't know how to handle it. So they do it or they project that onto the people that are closest to them. I mean, Rayvon put me through the ringer and he will probably kill me (laughs) if I talk about it. But this is what I do. Um, And this is just reality. So... I mean, there were I mean, times... I know where, him. He'll be fine. Yeah, right, okay? I like, know him. He'll be fine. <laughs> he, like, I remember I was pregnant. Like, he... I He headbutted me. Like, he was pulling me by my clothes. Literally lifted me in the air by my clothes. Um, pushing me, Yeah, like, pushing me around. I had just given birth to Tyler. He was, like, pushing me into walls. Um, it was bad. But even before I had Tyler, like, I mean, you name it, like there was like sometimes like destruction of property, whether it was it was ours as a unit or mine. Like he even broke my phone at one point because he saw it light up. Like I called my mom because I knew I wasn't safe. And it was after I gave birth to Tyler. And I don't know why he acted out the way that he did. It just kind of happened. And I I think I think he said it had something to do with him thinking that I was going to take Tyler away from him which didn't make any sense to me, but I was like, okay. And he literally broke my phone. I called my mom and he saw it light up. He took that shit and launched it across the room and it just shattered. 
it was it was wild. And Rayvon's a big dude. So like, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, super strength. Can't um, on that. Yeah. It's it's sad. Like, I think what also impacted the domestic violence for us is that there were different types of abuse too. Like there was emotional and mental. Like there were times we'd mm-hmm. get into an argument and he would like, when we were living together and he would leave for some days to go be with his family and I wouldn't hear from him. Some of that time mm-hmm. I was pregnant. And then he got upset when I left. I remember when I left, like, and I was like, you know what? You need to see what life is like without me. And then maybe you'll realize what you have. He, um, I will never forget it. It was the day that we had an ultrasound. It was the first ultrasound for Tyler. And he was just angry at the world that day. I don't know what the fuck was going on. And <laughs> so we're like... Okay, so we're at the we're we're getting the ultrasound. I'm getting emotional because like my pregnancy started on my grandfather's birthday. God rest his soul. And Tyler was due on my grandmother's birthday, and God rest her soul. Oh man! So yeah, it was it was divine timing, right? And I'm just like, wow. Like if that is, and of course, like they were married. So I'm like, that is if that's not a sign, mm-hmm. I don't know what is. I don't know what it. So, yeah, I was like, okay, I don't know what it could be exactly. And I'm just like getting emotional, and he's thinking I'm being dramatic, and I'm like, okay. You know it's bad if the people in the office are kind of looking like, okay, what is up with this dude's vibe? Like, it, it, something wasn't right. So we go to go get some food before we head home. And I'm like, you know, thank you so much for, like, driving us around today. Talking about me and him. I'm like, thank you so much for taking care of us today. I really do appreciate it. Like, you switch your schedule around. You can't, you called out of work to be here for me. It means a lot to me. Thank you. You know, this is a really big chapter for us. He thought I was being sarcastic. So we get into the car. Exactly. We get into the car. We're on the road. We're going through Edgewater to head back to our our spot. And I asked him what was wrong. And he doesn't like when I ask him what's wrong, like, more than, like, a couple times. But you know when somebody's bullshitting you and you're just like, nah, bro, what is going on? What's what's really up with you? (laughs) Exactly. And he thought, again, like, he thought I was being sarcastic. We're sitting in traffic. I have my food from Mission Barbecue in my lap. And he, like, smacked my food, and the food got all over the dash. It got all over me, my purse, my door. Like, I was in the passenger seat. I mean, it was wild. Like, he kind of, like, mushed me in my face. And I'm like, why would you do that? <laughs> and what made it even yeah, worse. Yeah, the Exactly. Exactly. And then he thought I wasn't going to call my dad. I've never called my dad about anything like that. And this is how he found out. And this is also how my family found out I was pregnant, like because of this um, situation. Oh, like, great! I, exactly, exactly. I called my mom, man. I was like, "Yeah, by the way, I was like, this isn't a good time, but I'm pregnant." And she was like, "Oh, okay. We'll we'll handle that later." I was like, "Okay, cool." But like, I um, I remember he mushed me in my face. He smacked the food. He's kind of like shaking me. And what made it so embarrassing for me was the fact that there were kids in a car beside us that saw everything. Our, his window oh, was no. down, so they heard what he was saying. And, like, we didn't have tinted windows in our car, so they saw everything. everything. His car, oh, exactly. Man. The car started messing up. He goes to a parking lot, and his phone wasn't working at the time. There was just so much going on. And then, like, he went to, I guess he went into a gym to call, like, his mom to see, like, oh, hey, like, can you help me with the car? I have never ran so fast in my life to get away from somebody. I think that 
I mean, I had already been scared of him before, but I think that scared me even more. So I yeah. ran from out of the car. I ran into the nearest restaurant. I saw him coming out and he was looking for me. And then I had to run even further. And I called my mom. I was like, this is where I am. Come pick me up. I'm hiding. I was hiding literally behind a gas station. I did not want that, that man to so find scary. me. Yeah. And next thing you know, like, I mean, obviously I get picked up. Thank God. And I went back to our house. I packed up all of my shit in less than, I would say less than 30 minutes. The most I left him with was the TV that I bought and the food in the fridge and um, how our bedroom was set up upstairs. That was it. I was like, I'm not doing it. I blocked his number and it got intense. I think what makes our, um, like I said, our dynamic, it's so, it can be so complicated just because, you know, Tyler is our child. And the reality is, is that we have to co-parent, but we've made a lot of progress since then. And it's been a long time coming. And I had to show him or tell him, I'm like, I got to put this into perspective for you. I was like, I spent, cause he has a hard time understanding why I'm unpacking certain things from back then till now. Cause I don't really talk about it. You know what I'm saying? But it's it not changed that I your whole life. Exactly. It's not that I won't talk about it, but it just really hit me so hard. Cause it's like, some of the core years of my life, like four or five years of my life of like ups and downs and abuse of, in different forms. And right. I told him recently, I was like, you know, for me, I was like, I spent the majority of this year healing without you. And now that you're back in the picture, I was like, healing with you looks different. So if that means I have to unpack all of the shit that we've been through, or if I have to unpack or tell you, this is why I am the way I am, or this is why I handle certain things, because of this, you can't get mad at it, especially when you are the reason why. Like, you can't get mad at me <laughs> for how you impacted me. When yeah, you can't why. get mad at me for how I, yeah, you did this. Exactly. Exactly. I think he has a hard time, you know, just hearing all of the bad things that he's done because he doesn't want to be seen as that. And I'll give him the fact that he's made some progress. There are some areas that he does need to improve. I do know for a fact that he would never put his hands on me again, like, ever. But it's the fact that it's like, it happened. So it doesn't matter if it happened right. again because it already happened. You already what, did it. Yeah, you exactly. you already did it. You already put that seed in my brain. So whether it happens again or not, doesn't negate the fact that you did it for so long. Exactly. Exactly. That doesn't, that doesn't change anything. Precisely. Would you say that you have any, like, triggers at all? Absolutely. Like, from Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so with that relationship I was talking about, there was also sexual abuse, of course. Yeah. Um, he felt very entitled to me and my body because we were in a relationship. And even when we weren't, because we had a relationship, it was like, this is what I want. This is when I want it. This is about to happen. And I'm like, um, okay. Like at that point, I'm already so messed up mentally. It seems right. It seems like this is the only way. Ooh, I mean, not to get the nail on the head. Yeah, yeah. It seemed like by me, by me continuing to have sex with him up to the point that I did, was the only way for me not to get beat up or for me not to get emotionally abused because yes. that's when he was fine. And he would do that, whatever would happen, would happen, and he would leave. Like, he would leave me alone. So it was like, okay, this is cool. So now, the relationship I'm in now, it took, I'm not even going to say, until, it might have been until, like, recently for me to understand that intimacy is not, it's not as hard anymore, but it has always been very hard for me like for me to I guess 
initiate sex is hard because I've always been the one just being there, being told what to do. For me to just be like, all right, this is what I want. This is how I want it. Because that's never mattered, you know? So it was never about me. It never, it was never about me when we would do anything. It would always be about, this is what he wants. It's about him getting what he needs. What I, what I need, it, it doesn't matter. So now it's like, all right, now I'm in a place where, you know, he wants me to be vocal. He wants me to say, this is what I want. This is how I want it. This is how I like it. This is what I need. I need to start things sometimes. And it's hard for my brain to turn off that switch. Cause like, no, you're the man. You're supposed to just take it. Do it. Do it. Yeah. And that's, that's not it. Cause he's not that guy. And he's just like, you can't, you can't, you can't hold that, you know, against me. Like, you have to try. And I'm like, you know, you're right. I actually haven't been trying to move past it because in my brain, that's just what was right. And when the relationship, the abusive one, when it was happening, those were, like, my peak sexual years. Like, I was exactly. 18 to 22. So that's when I learned about, you know, my body, what I liked in sex. But it didn't matter. So I didn't utilize it. It didn't, it didn't think, you know, nothing, nothing like that even was a thing it was even thought of i think being touched is a trigger like i don't i don't know how to say this no i know exactly what you mean well yeah like if anybody whether it's i'll call anthony anthony if anthony like puts his not not put his hands on me but like if we're playing and he like raises his hands too fast i'll flinch and he'd be like you think i'm gonna hit you i'm like no i don't think that i just can't i can't help it like right it's like you're just ready yeah. If anybody around me, if they make like sudden movements, it just like I'm on edge. Like I I can't I can't not flinch because you're moving too fast. I don't like that. Last time somebody moved too fast around me, they beat my ass. I don't want you to do that. Don't do that to me. Slow movements, please. <laughs> like I need okay. you to calm down. Um just initial touches in general always give me like the anxiety moments. It it goes away after a few seconds, but that initial touch, it's like, are you about to rate me? what's about to happen yeah i don't know yeah what's going on here and words i don't something about the way people speak to me Mm -hmm. if you don't like say begin to argument and you don't come back after the argument and say hey i love you everything's fine i'm gonna think you hate me yes and now we're not friends anymore or now we're not anything because we got into an argument we yelled we disagreed and nobody nobody fixed it so now it's broken forever I I go from zero to a hundred, and the extreme is the extreme. It, if you don't sit here and say we are good, it's something as simple as we're good. I'm fine. Yes. I, I don't know what to do. My brain is in shambles because we argued, we yelled. That means you don't love me anymore. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's, it's insane to think about, like me saying it out loud because I don't really want to talk about it. But that that's really how it is. Like if. If we get into it and I know we're not going to come to a mutual ground because that's how me and Anthony are. We agree to disagree all the time. And it's like, damn, do, do, you, do you not love me anymore because we argued? Because I didn't because I didn't submit to what you think because I stood my ground and had my own opinion. Are we, are we beefing now? Like, I'm scared. Right. I don't know what to do. Are we, are we I'm like that too. So, I'm like that too. So like Ravon and I, we, I have we, to not say anything exactly like Rayvon and I like we've even had those moments it's like and I'm the same way as you I'm like when I don't hear back about anything after like there's a disagreement I'm gonna be honest that's kind of what we're dealing with right now there was like this huge disagreement and you already know Mercury's in retrograde so it's about some dumb shit and it's like so much miscommunication okay and there's like a ton of miscommunication like a misunderstanding that I know will blow over 
but it just makes it worse. So, like, I'm the type of person that's like, I will tell you, I will reaffirm your feelings and be like, look, I may not agree with you, but I understand. I hear you. I receive it. This is how I feel. This is where I'm standing. I still love you, though. But if I don't hear back from you to mm -hmm. confirm that, then I'm like, what the fuck is the problem? Yeah. You, I'm like, okay. You hate me. Now, like you said, <laughs> everything is broken. Damn it. This this is the end. All right. Maybe that's what I say. I say it to everybody. I'm like, I, literally my go-to phrase these days, if you hate me, just say that. Like, if that's what, yes. that's what it is. If you hate exactly. me, just, just say that, bro. Just tell me you hate me so I can heal from that and move on. Don't mm -hmm. leave me in limbo because you're angry today. Tell me you hate me, and then that'll I'll be fine. And he'd be like, why are you being so dramatic? I'm not being dramatic. This is just how I deal with it because I'd rather cut you off before you cut me off. That's what I want to do. I need I need control. That's yeah. why I keep going back to school. It's the only thing I can be in control of. And I don't That's blame it. you. My mom be like, my mom be like, why do you keep going to school? Why won't you finish? Why do you keep prolonging this degree? Because I'm in control of school, baby. That's it. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That is it. That is I don't know all. what else. I go to work. I teach them kids. That's pure chaos. I'm not in control of that situation. <laughs> so I'm going to keep going to school. I don't blame you. Know, you. It, really, it, it is hard, though, because every, every time I think, you know, these are my triggers, they're in a box. There's a new one that comes up. And I'm like, wow, I didn't know that affected mm. me. Mm -hmm. like even mm -hmm. with even with food even yes with food, like I shout out to me I reached my first weight loss goal I've lost 10 pounds I have not had an alcoholic drink in three weeks and I am on so edge. proud of this you is great. we have coffee it's okay but <laughs> <laughs> I like I don't I wouldn't say I have food trauma but I have a lot of triggers behind my weight from that relationship Same. because that's where the verbal came from so now I'm like, I, I literally have to, I'm obsessed with the scale and how my body looks. Every single morning, I weigh myself. Every single night, I weigh myself. I look in the mirror every single morning to make sure I don't look fat today. And if yeah. I do, how can I change that? And it's like, that from that, because I knew, the reason we broke up was because I was fat. Wow. Because I gained weight. That's why. Because I was on birth control, so I didn't get pregnant. Because he was very reckless with his penis. So I was 100%. like, so I was like, let me stay on birth control so I don't get pregnant. And that caused me to gain 30 pounds. And like in a short amount of time. And it got, we broke up. So now that, you know, my weight is not the same, but it's proportioned differently. You would never know I weigh what I weigh. But same. Uh, it's, proportioned, <laughs> it's proportioned differently. So now I'm like, all right, I look good. I feel good. But I don't want to get fat because I don't want this nigga to leave me. Granted, he wouldn't do that. He would just tell me to go work out. Like, we would just go work out together. But my brain is already conditioned to think if you change how you look, like, if your body gets bigger, he's going to leave. That's what they do. You get fat and they leave. You have to look good. Like, you have to be that girl. Yeah. And I think that's another reason why on social media I post a lot of selfies. I post a lot because I need people to know that I am that girl. I know it sometimes exactly but I need everyone else to know it i need everyone else to know it i need him to know it. i need him to see it i need him to you know i need it to be a thing i need to be the main character and it's i have main character syndrome very badly it's okay and it just it it's because i was a background character for so long so now that I'm it makes in, sense though no it's understandable now that yeah. i'm in yeah now that i'm into me and i know that i look i know i'm that girl everyone's gonna know it like i don't i know it's not an option you're it's just it gets very hectic I'm not gonna lie. yeah like I know for me like I 
I have like, I'm triggered by food a lot. Like I'm very mindful about the way I look. I was, oh my God, I was just talking about or talking about this to Rayvon. Like I, um, back in high school, my ex, okay, it was my senior year. He had just graduated and he was a sports guy. Like he played like, well, he practiced track and things like that. And he was in school for like a track scholarship. No problem. I, I appreciate his honesty with him telling me this. He didn't do anything wrong, but it was his friends that bothered me. And I think it triggered a part of me, like, you know, body image wise that I put behind mm-hmm. for at least like a couple of years. So he calls me and he's like, I feel a way right now. And I'm like, all right, what's up? He tells me like basically his best friends who I was cool with, mind you, I'd been cool with them all of high school. And they were like, yeah. So, um, you know, they were like, I'm gonna put his name out there. They were like, yeah, so Blades, like, you know, usually you would date like a track girl. Like, are you sure you want to date somebody that looks like her? Mind you, I was skinny as hell in high school. So I I was thick, but like I was tiny at the same time. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like I'm coming into my body and things like that. But like, Mm -hmm. I wasn't like off the scales, nothing like that. But they were like, are are you sure you want to date somebody that looks like her? She's not your usual type. And he was like, there's nothing wrong with her body. And they were like, I mean, well, yeah, but she's not your your type and he was like I don't really have one I don't have a type and so that for me it triggered me so bad and I think I actually like briefly talked about that in an episode like you know my episode with you for the beginning of Mm -hmm. the season like I was taking like all these supplements to lose weight and you know like I was barely eating like I refused to eat around them because of how they made me feel off of that comment I think what bothered me the most is that they were treating me as if they didn't say anything like that about me I think that was what really got me. And I just didn't discuss it. But I was like, you know what? I know exactly where to put them. And it's cool. Um, Over time, yeah. like, you know, I think my body image issue started back in 2010. And, like, I'm the same way as he was. Like, every morning, like, I look in the mirror and I'm just kind of like, okay. Like, I, okay. <laughs> I, 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 okay, how can I make this better, you know? Okay, so mm-hmm. what am I going to eat today so I'm not as bloated as the day goes on? Like, Okay, Nothing. well, I gotta make sure that I work out for at least 20 minutes today, like minimum 15, 20 minutes. You know what I'm saying? And when I was with my ex mm-hmm. Ty last year, he was like really bad for my health, like physical, mental, emotional, all of that. Cause not only did he sexually assault me during my birthday weekend last year, but like he didn't like that I was um he didn't like the way I looked because like I was fit. Like, you know, I was really, really fit. I mean, I still had some weight to lose and I wasn't tripping because I was fine with how I looked, but I was fit, you know, and mm-hmm. because he knew I wasn't really eating like that. Like he would he knew food was a trigger for me. Like it was a whole thing. I hate talking about it, but like he would make me eat food that I didn't really want to eat. Like, obviously, like if we got high oh. and I'm like, oh, I'm craving this. Like, that's one thing. Right. But, like, it got to a point where it was, like, he would tell me straight up, like, I want you to be bigger. I need you to look like this. And I was already so fucked up. And then on top of that, like, him telling me without telling me that he raped me in my sleep. Like, I was just not. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it was a lot. So, for me, and that also impacted me and, like, how people touch me. Or, like, I just got better, like, this year with allowing people, like, physically in my space. Like, because for a long time, I wasn't letting people hug me after that. Like, I would say I got comfortable with people Mm -hmm. hugging me back in March of this year. I was like, don't touch me. Like, don't look at me. I was, I was like in serious hermit mode because of how he made me feel. It was to the point where like, I don't mind when people know my location. Like, if I fuck with you and you need to know where I am, I'm gonna send you my location. But it was to the point where like, he did it from a controlling standpoint. 
And like, he needed to know where I was going. It was actually one time he went in my location to make sure that I wasn't working out outside. It was bad. And yeah. And like, you know, and then going back to what you were saying too about, um, it was really like on their dime, like on their time, um, as far as like sex, anything happening, you know, like he was Mm -hmm. controlling everything sex related. Obviously like I had needs and I would like express it. And then the thing is he wouldn't do anything for me. It was just kind of like, he was making me do stuff like, oh, well, I'm such a good man to you and blah, blah, blah. And it was to the part of like, you know yep. what? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was so fucked up. I didn't care. Like, I was unhappy. I was depressed, like more than half mm-hmm. of 2020. So you take all of that <laughs> and looking at where I am now, the healing is tremendous. And I obviously have some that I'm working through. Like, I'm very cautious about how my body is presented. And I've never really talked about that, but I'm very cautious about how I look, how I'm presented on social media, not just, not because of other people, but for myself, because it, I've always been so heavily impacted because I'm fine with how I look. You know what I'm saying? It's a love hate relationship. I'd be like, damn, I know where I can do better, but I love how I Mm -hmm. look because I'm that bitch, period. Like, I know I am. Period. You know what I'm saying? I work hard to be here. Exactly. So it's just like the fact that, you know, just unfortunately being with, a narcissist last year and then just going through different forms of abuse like it just really impacted my relationship with myself in multiple aspects like Rayvon he he loves how I look he's like look I know you want to work on your core you had Tyler you went through a lot last year I get it he was like he was like and honestly Alicia like you look great so you don't need to lose weight but if you wanted to you could and I'm like you know what you're right and I appreciate that accountability because it's like Okay, so you see what I see, but you're not mad at it, and that makes me feel good. And I'm not mad at it, so I'm cool. Right. (laughs) You know, so I think it's just a matter of really taking the time to break it down and understand why. And I think that if people spent more time pinpointing why things are the way that they are or really just taking the necessary steps to discover that, then it's all good, Mm -hmm. you know? What would you say your healing journey looks like? And what have you learned from everything that you've been through? I would say that it looks never ending. I discovered maybe a few weeks ago that it never stops. Healing is not like a point A to point B type situation. Like yeah. like I said earlier, there's always going to be something you figure out that you need to heal from. And it honestly, I didn't know if I was ever going to heal from it because it was just, a long drawn out thing like it kept happening every single time this keeps mm-hmm. happening so am I ever going to get better and then to find you know a new relationship and to to see the difference like I physically had to sit down and make a this nigga that nigga chart to right. really visibly <laughs> see the, the, the different the differences because in my brain he was just another man that eventually was going to change and he never, I was waiting for it. I was like, he's going to change. He's eventually going to do something that everyone else did. He never did it. So I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> All right, this is nice. There's no, the climax isn't there. Like, he's, he's never going to change. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I love this. But I will say I've learned that, you know, we all say every nigga's not the same. They're not. Every person isn't the same. Every Because I've also had, you know, not domestic violence, but just abuse in general from friends. Every friendship isn't the same. Like every relationship that you have, whether it's platonic or romantic, they're not the same. And I can't hold what someone else did over someone new. They didn't do this to me. 
if anything, they're trying to help me. They're here to be the difference, not to be the same. So I've just learned that I have to give everyone a chance. Well, not everyone, but give people that I let in a chance and allow myself to feel what I feel because, you know, for a long time I didn't feel. I was like, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to handle this. I don't want to even think about it. Like whatever happened to me, it happened. Like we said, brush under the rug, keep pushing. I don't want to feel it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to think about it. Fuck it. And that didn't help because then things would happen. These triggers would occur. And I'm like, why am I so emotional? What is happening to me? Why is everything just coming out like Mentos in a Coke can? Like what's going on? <laughs> and it's because I never actually dealt with it. Yeah. So when I did the last show with you, that was the first time in a long time I've actually ever talked about it because I just pushed to the side. So now it's like, you gotta, you gotta deal with, you're never going to heal if you don't deal from it. And, you know, hurt people, hurt people, hurt people say it all the time. And it was causing, you know, strife in my relationship now because I wouldn't deal with it. And I would be snappy and like act out for lack of a better word, because something he did bothered me, but he didn't know that he was bothering me. Yeah. And it's like, how is he going to not do something to trigger me if he doesn't know it's triggering me? So I was like, girl, you got to you gotta talk about it. You can't just expect somebody to know. He, he wasn't there. He doesn't know what happened to you. Right. Well, he does know, but he, does, he didn't experience it how you, you know, to him, it could be like, all right, this happened, you know, not that it's not that bad, but to the extent that it was, he has no clue. Mm. Yeah. Damn, you hit the nail on the head. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like, like, he, would, he would never be so like, important. it's nothing, but, you know. Right, but it's like, I mean, it is something. Like, but. <laughs> yeah, but but he can't, He that's like me, that's like you tell me, yeah, I got shot. It wasn't that bad. I'm like, yeah, no, but you got shot, huh? Yeah, but, you know, it's cool. But I don't know what getting shot feels like. You do. I, I know getting shot is bad, but I don't know what it feels like. So, like, right. I know, like, he knows, you know, all types of abuse. It's, it's bad. It's a bad thing. But he's never experienced it, so he has no idea what that actually felt like. So there's been times that we've, sat down and relived the moment so I could get him to understand you know what I felt like this is how I felt when this happened then this happened and this is what happened this is what I felt this is this is what I did this is what I didn't do this is what I should have done like we've I've had to put him in my shoes literally like walk him through it and it sucks yeah but that's the only way to get anybody to understand it exactly you know damn you hit the nail on the head and then like going back <laughs> to what you were saying about like friendships too I Throughout my healing journey this year, I really, I started to see that the people that were closest to me were people that also had the same, you know, they had like similarities to people that I gave permission to take advantage of me and to hurt mm. me and things like that. And it's like, okay, they painted a pretty picture, but like, obviously when shit hit the fan with a couple things, they made their true colors known. And I'm talking about people I've known for years, including my best friend, like, I haven't spoken to her. We've been best friends for 13 years. I haven't spoken to her since, like, May. So, like, and we're oh, wow. probably not, yeah, and we're probably never going to speak again, and it sucks. But, like, when you're healing and you're choosing yourself and you're growing, you really just, like, you can really see who's for you and who's not. And, like, right. I, and I am a firm believer in just, like, talking about shit and, like, really just putting it out there, whether or not people are receptive to it because at the end of the day it's for you it's for your growth it's for your healing and healing like you said like healing 
is different for everybody. It looks different for everybody. And every part of your journey is never going to be the same. It's really not. And I'm in a space now where I choose people like I always did. But now more than ever, I choose people that choose me. And if you're not willing to pour into me and to support me and meet my needs as a person, just like I'm willing to meet yours, then why are you here? You know, because now you're just right. you're a, you're becoming a part of the negative cycle that I'm breaking free from. I do not play about me <laughs> in my space. Like I, I'm so dead ass. You shouldn't. Okay, because you know some people they just be they be acting up. But you know that's another story for another day. <laughs> oh, I said, you know okay. things happen. Exactly. <laughs> Is there anything that you want to leave the listeners with, and how can they keep up with you? You know, I will say that if you are going through something, man or woman, it is okay to find somebody to speak up with. I know a lot of times men also get abused and they don't say anything because to men, you know, they're not supposed to. Men aren't, people don't, when you think domestic violence, they don't think it's men. Do not put your hands on anybody. Nobody. But abuse is abuse. And men need to understand that it is okay to speak. It doesn't make you pussy. It doesn't make you any less of a man. If you're in a bad situation, there are plenty of resources to help you, whether it's friends, family, government, whatever. I don't know. People don't trust the government these days, but there's stuff out there to help me. Shelters, they're underground, but you got to find them. It's, it's ways out of the situation. You don't have to stay in it because you love them because that is not love. Love does not hurt. Okay. Like at all. Don't, don't ever think for a second that it does because that is not love. Um, but yeah, y'all, you can follow me on Twitter, Wandy. I don't know how many I's and E's are my name, but I follow Alicia, so. <laughs> I'm in trouble like I don't even know. I think it's like two I's and four E's. Something I like think that so, too, actually. I think it is, too. It's been that since I was in, like, 12th grade. I have no idea. And then my Instagram, that's love.fally, F-A-L-L-Y. Follow me there. Also, follow me on Blonde Girl Events. Book me for your next events. Getting cold outside. You want some romantic dinners? You know, Christmas parties, all that. Book me 2021 is still open. Booking for 2022 starts in like three weeks. So, yay! Oh, Great. this is so exciting. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. <laughs> and actually, you I know I, and I usually don't, you know, I personally don't, you know, close the, the show off with something. But if I were to leave anything, because I usually don't, again, um, is <laughs> understand or please pay attention and understand the difference between attachment. In love, codependency. Oh man, in love. Um, <laughs> there's a very fine line in between the two, and honestly, I think sometimes can confuse love with codependency, or no codependency with love, and it can get you into some fucked up situations. So please be mindful of your space, protect your space, protect your energy, and like I was saying before, just pour into others that are pouring into you. And just like Fally was saying, like it's. <laughs> damn I don't even know how to like I don't even want to recap what you said because you said everything <laughs> but <laughs> thank you as always to my listeners for tuning in to another amazing episode of Cookies and Conversation and until next Thursday we are out <laughs> <laughs>